2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient, equipped for every good work. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Well, as I said at the beginning of the service, we're in a elongated summer uh, teaching series called Touch Points, and it is about knowing and being awake to the presence of God, <clears throat> not just in the world, but in our lives too and among us as a church, uh, because as you know, God can be easily become something quite other, uh, a removed presence, if you will. Um, all of us have had those experiences, by the way, where there's a drought in our faith, and we've wondered where God was in the midst of our lives and our struggles, our sufferings, and, and our deep questions even. So uh, I'm sure you've felt that way before at certain times in your life. And so this is really about that kind of thing. Like how do we uh, come awake to the presence of God in the world and in our lives? A driving verse for this is just a few words uh, from the Apostle Paul in Philippians 3 verse 10 where he says, I want to know Christ. Uh, and this word know is very intimate. It has to do not just with a knowledge of, but like a relationship with. So this reaching for intimacy with God is a hum that really is in all of our hearts for sure. And we get these questions in our, our minds and in our hearts about how, well, how do we do that? How do we get to know God in this way? How do we move beneath the surface of God as an idea, a thing, something to talk about, to have an opinion about, and into a world of closeness and intimacy? And as I said last week, the good news is we have thousands of years of these practices that have helped, given, helped give shape uh, to people's faith and their lives, and these are like treasured pathways um, into the presence of God. And this summer is about that. And so each week we're looking at different things. We've divided the summer into three sections. And this has more to do with, um, well, never mind, that would bore you. But, um, <laughs> but basically, the ancients saw uh, the human life. There's an inner life, there's a relational life, and there's a vocational life. And we have all of these different Christian practices that deal with each. And so this first section of the summer is about the inner life, uh, what's going on inside. And so today we start that, and we're exploring uh, this idea of knowing God through the Word, the Scriptures. Can I have a word, as they would say, in really like lively churches? Who's got a word? Anybody? Amen. I got an amen. All right, we're good. Devin, by the way, got his PhD last week. Yep. I was telling somebody earlier, because I went to the thing, you know, and he did this long presentation. Uh, when I sat down, I saw that there were 69 slides. And uh, I went up to him afterwards. It's some nanotechnology, Georgia Tech thing. And, um, you know, I have a degree in what Paul may have been thinking. And... Um, <laughs> So I went up to him afterwards, if you remember this, I know it was like the moment, but I was like, I had no clue what you talked about, but it was great, you know, 
that's uh, really cool. Congratulations on that. Um, what are we talking about here? <laughs> the Bible. We're going to talk about the Bible. And um, I don't know what your relationship with the Bible is. Maybe you read it often. Maybe you read it sometimes. Maybe the only time you hear it is when we read it in here. And so, uh, you know, if you miss two Sundays out of the month and you're hearing the Bible maybe twice a month, I don't know. I don't know what your relationship with the Bible is, but it is true that our faith and faith system has a text. There are things on paper um, that we have at our disposal to read. I gave nine years of my life to undergrad studies and seminary education in biblical studies. I taught Bible and theology at a small university for about seven years, and I've been the pastor of a church, uh, you know, the local church since 1995. And so uh, the Bible is kind of a thing for me. It's in my life for sure. And those of us in biblical studies have a running joke that we don't actually ever really read the Bible. We just read what people say about the Bible. So um, it's, I do read the Bible. I just want you to know I'm in the Word. But that is also very true. Uh, if you get theologians together, they're, not, they're just talking about what people think about the Bible. Um, but the questions are, what are we doing when we read the Bible? What's happening? What are we listening for? Are we looking for anything? These are good questions. Like when you open the Bible, what are you doing? What am I doing? And we have this interesting statement from the Apostle Paul in this letter to Timothy. All scripture is what? Inspired by God. What's interesting here is that the Bible, from cover to cover, doesn't really say much about itself. Um, it doesn't really have that interest. And this is one of the rare occasions when there is some perspective on the Bible, within the Bible. And the phrase Paul uses here is this kind of made-up Greek phrase, theonoustos is the phrase. If you've never seen a Greek Bible, I have a picture for you, a highlight of the word. You can see it's just this scrunched together combination of words, and it, it's a phrase about the way Scripture breathes. The translation here is something like breathed out by God, that all Scripture is breathed out by God. It's how Scripture inhales and exhales into the life of the reader. And so we get this angle on Scripture as something that is alive, it's breathing, and that it's positioned to interact with our lives. There are definitely other implications here. If it's, if it's breathed out by God, there's some involvement with the Scriptures on the part of God, for sure. But this phrase is very beautiful, and it only appears here in the Bible. This is not, you won't find this anywhere else. Again, because Paul's sort of just waxing, he's just making things happen with these words. But it also leans heavily on the belief that Scripture has a life-giving quality, that the stories and the poetry and all the wisdom pieces and the boring genealogies and things like that, they're, that they're there as a means of life. There's some life in the presence of God through the scriptures, that God is present somehow in the words that we have. 
former Archbishop of Canterbury, Rowan Williams, says, the Bible is not intended to be a mere chronicle of past events, but a living communication from God. That there's a presence in the words. And when we meditate on this statement, all scripture is inspired by God, when we meditate on that and how it is speaking of scripture being breathed out by God, we start to approach the Bible, hopefully, with a sense of uh, anticipation, that it's not, it's not wooden, as we would say. It's not just a stack of letters on pages, but that something has life in there. Something will happen even. There's engagement on deck. That's the hope. When we uh, are not attending here on Sundays, I work here, by the way, but if I'm off and we go to another church, we just, we'll hit different ones in town. And um, last year we went to um, St. Anne's Episcopal Church on Moore's Mill, I think. And... Um, when they brought, you know, the, the, the procession at the beginning of the service, they bring in the scriptures, they hold it up. And it was the first time I'd seen this, but people in the pews would bow as the scriptures came by. And it reminded me of, um, they do something similar in synagogues. When the Torah is walked down the aisle, people bow. Sometimes they touch it, even kiss the scrolls, and it's this, it's this posture of, this is important, this is a life-giving text, God is in these words, and so there's a respect when they see it, it's pretty powerful, and the posture for us in this verse, that all scripture is inspired by God, is simply that when we read and hear the Bible, and it's so simple, but there, there should be welling up within us this expectation of something life-giving that might take place, and that the presence of God will be revealed in some way through the stories and the readings that we hear. All Scripture is inspired by God. I like what Paul says next, though. Notice what he says, all scripture is inspired by God and is what? Useful. Notice the balance. Inspired, but also useful. There's an overload of inspiration all around us, would you say? You can't go a day without just being told more inspirational things. And, um, but they're not always useful. Amen? Maybe you think they are, and we can work on that. But um, you can do it is not all that useful. Um, I mean, how many motivational axioms can you handle in one day? There's something about over-inspiring and unuseful. And our world is filled with that. There's a lot of things that are inspiring, but they may not be very practical. Also, our world is filled with Christians who have this deep respect for the origins of Scripture, but not always for its usefulness in their lives. I can't tell you the number of times I've been in conversations with people who are just, I mean, the whole like Bible translation, tribal argument 
you know, and people were just so serious about, well, that's the correct version. And I'm like, actually, you know, it's English, you know. Um, I don't know if you know this, but that wasn't a language at the time. Um, so we're, we're making concessions as we translate. Um, to quote my friend at Columbia Theological Seminary, every translator is a traitor, you know, because you're having to make these decisions. But people get so serious about that, but not so serious about the usefulness of what they're defending. Amen? Not always for its usefulness in their lives. And all of us can run that risk of holding up the Bible as something quite special. And yet our relationship with it doesn't really give any shape to our lives. Lots of opinions about it, but nothing on the ground floor. I think one of the toughest couple of verses in the New Testament about this come from James. He says in chapter 2, Be doers of the word and not merely hearers who deceive themselves. For if any are hearers of the word and not doers, they are like those who look at themselves in a mirror. For they look at themselves and on going away immediately forget what they look like. It's a very simple analogy. I live a life that's mirror avoidant. Anybody with me on that? I don't like looking in mirrors. <laughs> you know, I have a face for radio, um, <laughs> that kind of thing. And so mirrors are like, but I, the sentiment is that's exactly what's happening. Like if I look in the mirror long enough, I'm going to go, oh, I need to fix that or change that or adjust that. And James is using this analogy for uh, Scripture, saying that when we look into it, it, it shows us things about ourselves. It's a mirror. We see ourselves in the stories, in the Psalms, in the, you know, the Gospels, whatever we're reading and listening to, like, we're supposed to see ourselves in there, and it reflects back to us things that must be adjusted in our lives, in order that we might live the Christ-like life. And so it's one thing to be inspiring, but it has to be useful. And the Apostle Paul is saying that Scripture is purposed to give shape to our faith in life, to be this, as I say a lot, this animating presence within us. It's inspired, but it has an earthbound quality as well. It's useful in our lives and in our world. There are two approaches to reading the Bible. Big ones, anyway. Two big ones. And both are good. One is to read with the uh, hope that you'll learn something, that you'll discover something. The other is reading to encounter the living God. These are two different ways of reading the Bible. The first is more like a study you know, you're in a group and you're opening it up and you read something, you know, what does that mean? And now we're looking things up. But the other is to simply read it and to let it wash over us and speak to us. The first is more academic, more informative. The second is more intimate, more relational. We're in the realm of encounter in that second way of reading. And one of the ways that we see and hear God is through the collections that we have of these words and these texts that we call scripture. I mean, reading to learn is a very powerful process, and it's an important piece of the faith journey, for sure. 
But it's interesting that we're living in a time when access to the Bible and Bible products and Bible-adjacent things has never been so easy. It's so vast. Never in history. Like if the apostles were here today, they would go, what? You know, you have to think of the, <laughs> when Paul's writing this, there's no like New Testament. It's just stacks of letters in synagogues, you know? And we've got it in our pockets on our phones and we can like look up things on the internet. It's like, this is unheard of. You know that, there was no internet back then. But we live in this time where it's like never been so available. And yet the research continues to show that there's a steady decline in the knowledge of the Bible. The endless options are actually working against the intended purpose. And perhaps we've lost sight of what it means to read the Bible as a means of encounter, to engage with God's presence, God's life. I love that we read scripture in here from here, just publicly. Just read it. Just read it and listen. We do read the Bible, but what I want to say today is that we also have to allow the Bible to read us. This is a way into the presence of God within the words of scripture, to allow it to read and touch our lives, to scan our hearts, and to show us who we are and where we fit into God's story. That's the invitation in our passage today, that all scripture is inspired by God. Many people will take this to mean every letter is factual. That's not what Paul's talking about. He's talking about a breathing, inhaling, exhaling presence of God in the words. Amen? And that when we read it, we're not proving anything. We're listening. And we're letting it prove something to us. The invitation in our passage today is quite simple. Just to rediscover that presence through the wonder and the beauty of the scriptures. That they are alive with the fingerprints of God and that something quite useful is there for us to take with us as well, that we might invite the words of Scripture into our hearts as a means not of just information, but transformation. Information without transformation in the Christian life is an anomaly. The whole point is to be transformed. And we see this at the very end of Paul's text, and I close with this, verse 17, so that we are equipped for every what? Good work, right? That's the goal, that we might be changed by its words so that our lives are repositioned to do some good in our relationships, in our families, in our world, to be carriers of the grace and mercy of Jesus to those around us for every good work. Amen?